Well, my name is Casey, and it's so good to be with you here. It's, it's always, I always love being up here and being able to, to be here with each and every one of you. I never want to lose this attitude of gratitude, and I'm just thankful for this church. I'm thankful for all of you. I'm thankful that over two years ago, Pastor Monty listened to God. Pastor Monty took his family, moved here to Omaha. A couple families came with him. They started this Meadows Church. So, Pastor Monty, I just thank you for, for your leadership. Thank you for, for loving us. Thank you for all your blood, sweat, and tears. Uh, maybe not so much the blood, more of like your spit and tears and sweat. But, but I'm so thankful for Monty. And can we just give it up to him? Like, just thankful for him. And thankful for this opportunity. So that was, that was actually, un, that was not planned. That was unexpected. It's not in my notes to do that. But I don't know about you, but have you have, have, have ever had anything unexpected happen to you? Anybody? Anybody? A couple people? All right, well, you guys are not living enough. Um, but, but here's the deal. Like, maybe this Christmas, something unexpected happened. All right, maybe you got engaged finally. Maybe you finally got that gift you always wanted. It didn't snow, right? Praise God for that. That was unexpected, but truly, truly, dearly wanted by me, for sure. I'm not sure about you. But, but unexpected things happen. And this Christmas, something unexpected happened to me. Um, and to, to set it up, I need to tell you that, you know, probably about 15 years ago, um, I was on my, at my mom's house. She's on a farm. She always had a garden. She always canned. And it was the, a summer day. Um, I'm in the fridge looking for something, who knows what, but I was thirsty. And this is weird because we never had, like, pitchers of water in the fridge. Like, we would always have to go to the faucet, get a glass of water. Like, but we, we've never had a pitcher of water in the fridge. But oddly enough, on this day, there was one. I'm like, all right, get some water, let's go, let's go for this. So I grab the pitcher, grab my glass, pour it out, I take a drink. It was not water. <laughs> Remember I said she was canning, she likes to can? It was a pitcher of vinegar. Who does that? evil. Like, seriously, who does that? Fast forward to this Christmas. Um, had used a Keurig before, but never had her own Keurig. Um, and my sister was getting rid of one. She's like, hey, we'll take that. Like, we'll love a Keurig. It's great. Get it home from Christmas. I plug it in and put water in it. I'm excited, right? My first cup of coffee. I went to Costco, got this like 72 variety pack box of goodness in these little pods. I put that pod in there, push it down. A couple seconds later, here's my cup of coffee. So excited. Like, like almost jittery how excited I am about this cup of coffee. I take a drink, the worst cup of coffee, coffee ever. Like, terrible. It was so bitter. I took another drink, like, what's, like, did I just brush my teeth? Or like, did I eat an orange? Like, why? This is terrible. Second drink tastes the same. Not good at all. So I dump that out. Like, maybe it was the pod. I don't know. So I grab a different one, different flavor, put it in there, do the same thing. I'm excited again. Guess what? second worst cup of coffee ever. Like, it was not good. So I'm like, okay, I give up. I must have done something wrong, even though all you have to do is plug it in and put water in and put the pot in. Like, I must have done something wrong because I was not expecting the coffee to be that bad. So I text my wife. She's at work at this point in time. I'm like, hey, I don't know what I did wrong, but the Keurig's broken. Like, it's, it's not working. Please fix it. Later on during that day, she texts me back. She says, I know what happened. And you know that emoji that has the hand on the forehead, like, you all know that emoji, right? So she does that, and she tells me, so maybe you knew this, I did not know this. To clean a Keurig, what do you use to clean it? Vinegar. Vinegar. And guess what you're supposed to do after you clean it? 
run it through a couple times with water, right? So my sister didn't tell us that, hey, I just did that. And so I had this amazing, vinegary, tasty coffee. After that, though, it's good. It's fine now. And thank you guys for letting me vent. Like, I need that. I need to, like, that was really weighing on me. So thank you for allowing me to share that. But we all need people to share stuff with, right? Like, no matter what, like, like, I'm thankful for the life group I'm a part of. A group of guys we meet on Tuesday nights. And one thing that we do every, every Tuesday night is we ask a question. In one word, how is your week? It gives us the opportunity to reflect on our week and to share. So I'm thankful for that because I actually have to think about, well, how is my week? Right? So, so right away when we started doing this, like our vocabulary when we started was very small. Like, uh, good, it was fine, it was okay. But it was crazy over time. All of a sudden we started using words like amicable. Like, what? You're amicable? What does that mean? Like, peaceful. Okay, that's good. <laughs> One guy even said, I'm foreboding. Foreboding? I'm foreboding next weekend. If you got a boat, let's do this. But, but that's not what he was talking about. Foreboding, F-O-R-E-B-O-D-I-N-G, if you're, in case you're wondering. Don't look it up now. You can look it up later in case you're curious of what that word means. But we start sharing what's happening to us. And, and we need to do that as individuals, as groups, of like reflecting on what, hey, how was Christmas this year? Some of you might use words like frustrating, stressful, joyful, amazing. Throughout this past week, if you had to describe your week in one word, what would it be? Right? What would it be? What about chaotic, right? I'm sure we could relate to that. It's hard to believe that 2019 has come and gone. What's your one word for 2019? Stressful, amazing, right? Reflecting back of 2019, mine was, I could say, probably good. It was satisfactory. There were some things that I expected to happen, but there were also some things that were unexpected. But it was a good year. And you need to know that that as a church, as Meadows Church, we expected God to do some things. Like, we did. But, like, God completely blew us out of the water. Like, he didn't do what we expected. He did what we, he did the unexpected, you could say. It's like we, like our mission, lead people to Christ. So we expected people to be led to Christ. But not 115 people. That was unexpected, right? And we can celebrate that, absolutely. We expected people to get baptized. But 58 people, that was unexpected. We expected people to give above and beyond. But to adopt 36 families this Christmas that couldn't provide gifts for the children, that was unexpected. We expected people to start serving and be part of dream teams. But to have over 100 people serving on a dream team, unexpected. But you need to know that's what God does. He does the unexpected. So looking at 2020, is it going to be the same? Are we going to expect the same thing to happen? Maybe worse? Or do we expect something better? Are we going to expect the unexpected? Are we going to expect something greater? So Jesus, he had expectations. Jesus expected God to do the unexpected. But he also expected something from each and every one of us. One of the groups I'm a part of, we've been, we read a chapter a day, we share our thoughts through the YouVersion Bible app, 
And we were going through the book of John. And I've been stuck on John 14, verse 12, for about a month. It says this. It says, I, and truly I tell you, anyone, say anyone, anyone who believes in me will do the same works as I have done. You can stop right there. and Oh my gosh, that's mind-blowing. But he goes on and says, and even greater works. Say greater. Because I'm going to the Father. I don't know about you, but that should stop you in your tracks if you're reading that. Think about that. If you believe in me, you will do even greater things. Like, I don't know if you've read the Bible. I don't know if you've seen what Jesus has done, but he has done some truly amazing things. I have a hard enough time getting to work on time. But Jesus, you want me to do greater work than you? Jesus, I can barely keep my house clean. And you want me to do the same work as you? Like, really? Jesus, I can barely contain a budget. Managing finances, no way. But you want me to do greater things than you? Think about that. But I'm here to tell you, I need to hear this, that there's hope. There is hope. Like, if Jesus said it, he expects it. If Jesus says it, he expects us to do it, and he gives us everything we need to do it as well. He has given us everything we need to do his work, even greater work. And that's what we're going to be talking about here today. And what we're going to do is, if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to bring your Bibles. If you have it on, on your mobile app or whatever it may be, go ahead and turn to Matthew 15. We'll be in Matthew 15. We're starting in verse 29. We're going to see what Jesus says about greater. So verse 29 says this. Jesus returned to the Sea of Galilee and climbed a hill. Some of us here are like, Jesus, I want to do that work maybe. Like, I want to try to climb a hill this year maybe. Maybe that's our 2020, that's our goal is maybe just to climb a hill. I'm kidding, but... but. Here we go. So Jesus returned to the Sea of Galilee and climbed a hill and sat down. A vast crowd brought to him people who were lame. People like y'all, right? Y'all are lame. I'm kidding. You're not lame. Just want to make sure you're paying attention. You're not that lame. They were lame, blind, crippled, those who couldn't speak and many others. They laid them before Jesus, and he healed them all. Jesus' works, he's in the business of healing people. It's kind of what he does. The crowd was amazed. Those who hadn't been able to speak were talking. The crippled were made well. The lame were given skinny jeans. Oh, no, sorry, sorry. The lame were walking, and the blind could see Again, and this next phrase is key when it comes to the work of Jesus. And they praise the God of Israel. That's so key. Everything we do, whether it's healing or whatever it might be or serving, is all for the glory of God. It's so that we praise him and so others praise the God of Israel. Verse 32 says this. Then Jesus called his disciples and told them, I feel sorry for these people. At this point in time, you got to be thinking, like, Jesus, like, don't you think you've done enough? 
You've hung around these people for three days. You've healed them. Like, you've probably done enough. But Jesus, being Jesus, cared about them, their whole being. And he says this, They've been here with me for three days, and they have nothing left to eat. I don't want to send them away hungry, or they will faint along the way. And the disciples replied, where will we get enough food here in the wilderness for such a huge crowd? Subway's busy, Chick-fil-A's closed, nobody wants to go to Taco Bell. What are we going to do? How are we going to feed these people? What are we going to do? Jesus asked them this, how much bread do you have? What do you have? What's in your hands? How much bread do you have? And they replied, seven loaves and a few small fish. So Jesus told all the people to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves and the fish, thanked God for them, and broke them into pieces. He gave them to the disciples who distributed the food to the crowd. They all ate as much as they wanted. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven large baskets of leftover food. So, question, how much food did the disciples have prior to the miracle? Seven loaves, two fish. They're leaving with what? Seven basketfuls after feeding 4,000 people. There were 4,000 men who were fed that day. In addition to all the women and children, then Jesus sent the people home, and he got into a boat and crossed over to the region of Magadan. Greater than that, Jesus? Think about that. He healed people. He fed people, over 4,000 people. But how did he do it? Like, how did he feed the 4,000? Like, if the disciples didn't say, hey, this is what we got, this is what we have, I don't think the 4,000 would have ate. But Jesus asked them a question. What do you have? Jesus took what they had, gave thanks to God for what they had, blessed it, gave it back to the disciples, and that's when the multiplication happened. Like once he gave it back to the disciples, that's when the multitudes were fed. That's when the multiplication truly happened. Because you know that he doesn't want to do something in you, he wants to do something through you. And once you give it to God first, all of a sudden it's amazing what happens because God's math is not our math. Like what he does is truly amazing. Like how can he do that? How do you take seven loaves and two fish and feed 4,000 people and have seven baskets left over? And they ate plenty. They ate plenty. So like truly, the disciples, they left with more than what they came with. But for the, the multitudes to be fed, a miracle had to happen. That miracle had to happen through God's people. And that's what we're talking about here today. That, that to, if we want to do greater... If we truly want to do greater, we have to give greater. If we want to give, if we want to do greater, we have to give greater. If the disciples were only gave half of what they had, I'm curious what would have happened. But they gave everything they had. Everything. All seven loaves, two fish, and the multitudes were fed. So if we want to do greater, we have to give greater. And the crazy thing is that he has given us everything we need to meet someone else's need. 
he didn't give the disciples more right away. It wasn't until after the disciples gave it to them. So a lot of us, me included, I'm like, God, hey, give me more resources. Give me more finances. Give me more time. Then I'll give more. That's not what happened. He's like, give me what you have. Give me what you have, and then we'll see what happens. We'll do the unexpected. God will do the unexpected once you give him what we have. So take what you've been given and give it away. And Jesus bottled this. This was his whole life. Like Jesus was given life so he could give life. Like Jesus walked around just giving people life. He was a life-giving presence. And this, this, this passage, this story, it's crazy because if you think about it, Jesus would call himself the bread of life. Right? The bread of life. He said for three days they were with him. Like Jesus, the bread of life, would go to the cross, would be broken, three days later would be risen and go to heaven. And because Jesus had the Spirit of God in him, once he went to heaven, all of a sudden that Spirit was multiplied into the disciples, into all of us. Think about that. The bread of life had to be broken, had to go to heaven. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, this outpouring of his Holy Spirit is able to come into us for greater works. It's just crazy. Jesus modeled this. He was truly a living and holy sacrifice. And that's what the, the Apostle Paul talks about in Romans 12. He says this, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you. I beg you. Give your lives to God. Give your body to God for all that he has done for you. Give it to him. Give it to him because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him, to give your life to him because of what he's done for you, for me, for all of us. Verse 6 says this, And in his grace, God has given different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. And verse 13 says this. When, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. So what, what is he saying here? Like, what is he talking about? All he's saying is, give what you've been given. Give what you've been given. We've been given a gift. We've been given many gifts. Give it away. Those gifts aren't for you. There's someone next to you that might need your gift. There's someone that lives next to you that might need your gift. Some, a coworker might need your gift. This is crazy. Look what, look what Picasso says. The meaning of life is to find your gift. The purpose of life is to give that gift away. The meaning of life is to find the gift. But your true purpose is to once you find that gift to give it away. Give it away. <laughs> and it's crazy. You know, it's easy to say, hey, Jesus was a living and holy sacrifice. Like, what's that mean for us? How's that even possible? To be a living and holy sacrifice, something needs to happen. 
we have to surrender. Not a, not a fun word, not an easy word, but it's a word that needs to happen. So surrender, I'm not, well, here's the deal. Like, I'm not sure if anybody here, if, if you've ever been you know, chased by a cop, what do they say? They say, freeze, put your, I knew you would probably say that. You have a past, don't you, right? No. <laughs> Welcome to Meadows Church. If that's you, we're so glad you're joining us. But they say, yeah, freeze. Put your hands up, right? Put your hands up. Universal sign of what? Of surrendering. Universal sign of surrendering. To put your hands up. And to be this living and holy sacrifice. That's so key. There's a, there's a, a, a passage in Exodus about Moses. He's with the Israelites. They're fighting this, this battle against the Amalekites. And Moses had a specific job. As Joshua and the army were fighting the Amalekites, Moses had to go up on a hill and he had to stretch his arms out. That's it. That's all he had to do. That's all that God asked him to do. Keep your hands up. Crazy thing is, if his hands started going down, the Amalekites started winning the battle. But as soon as his hands went back up, the Israelites started winning. But over time, as you could guess, his arms got pretty tired. Right? Thankfully, Moses had two guys in his life, Aaron and Hur, who would come alongside Moses and lift him up. And this isn't part of the message. This could be a whole other message, a whole different topic. But there's someone here, you've been fighting a battle, fighting it by yourself, and you're trying to keep your hands up, you're trying to keep your arms up, but it's so hard. You're struggling, you're tired. You need Aaron and her in your life. You need someone to encourage you, to lift you up. That's why I'm so thankful for this church, thankful for the groups that we have. Get in a group. Don't do life alone. You can't keep your arms up by yourself. You need someone with you. You'll get too tired without it. So, but thankfully, Moses stood here in complete, complete surrender, arms up, and at, over time, the Israelites won the battle. But he kept his arms up. He was obedient. He surrendered. And as I was thinking about this, like, why did he need both arms up? It doesn't say why. It doesn't explain why. But my mind starts racing. I don't know if yours does when you start reading. But it's like, why does both arms need to go up? Like, when, when a cop says freeze, he doesn't say freeze, put one arm up, does he? He doesn't say, hey, freeze. Cop says put right hand up. Cop says left hand up. No, he says, hey, put both hands up. And I think that's key for me. It's key for all of us. Because this surrender, the question is, what am I surrendering to? What am I giving my life to? Throughout the Bible, it calls Jesus Lord and Savior. Peter says, hey, to grow in knowledge of our Lord and Savior. I don't know about you, but I like the Savior part. All right? The Savior, what's that say? It says you're forgiven. It says, hey, give me your crap. Give me your shame. Give me your guilt. Give me your garbage. That's what the Savior says. Give me all that. I'll take that for you. That's what Jesus said. Bring it to me. I'll take it. I like that, right? Anybody with me? Over here, though, 
Lord and Savior, what does the Lord Jesus Christ ask of us? Everything. He is worth everything. If you think about it, we just celebrated Christmas when the baby Jesus was born. What did the three wise men bring him? Amazing gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The Lord requires everything from us. Right? Our possessions, our time, our resources. But it's easy to stand over here, hey Jesus, take my past, but, but don't touch my possessions. Leave me alone in my present time. Keep my past though. Hey, Jesus, Savior, take my trash. But hey, my time, that's mine. Don't touch my time. Let me do what I want to do. Jesus, Savior, I need you. I need you. Take my hurt. But hey, my health over here, let me do what I want to do when I'm healthy. Jesus, Savior, take my crap but don't touch my cash. I go on and on. It's like, it's his back and forth as Lord and Savior. We're willing to give him the stuff we don't want, but we hold on to the things that we do want. But Lord, but Jesus, if we want to see greater happen, if we want to do greater things, we need to, to give greater. We need to truly say, hey, Jesus, I surrender everything to you because you're worth it. And the crazy thing is, as we do that, as we give greater, as we give him the things we want, like, watch what he does. Watch what he will do with it. Like when we give this service to God, like we, like it's amazing what he does. But it's because we open, our arms open. God, do what you want to do with the service. Allow us to be your vessel. Lives then are changed. But it comes through this heart of being surrendered to him and who he is. That he is our Lord and our Savior. <laughs> with both arms open, surrendered giving him everything. There's, a, there's another story. It's in Luke 7. It's in a couple other Gospels as well. But, but Jesus was invited to a dinner party. He was going to this party that the, the Pharisees, of all people, invited him to have, have lunch with them. So here's Jesus having lunch with some Pharisees. This woman ends up joining him. Doesn't say a name, unknown name, all the Pharisees say is this sinner. Here is this sinner willing to go where Jesus is at, having lunch with these Pharisees, these people who have it all figured out, these people who do no wrong. But here is this woman comes into this house, meets Jesus, and she comes in this house with, to, to meet Jesus. And guess what she has? She has her sins in one hand, and this amazing alabaster jar of expensive perfume. She brings them both to Jesus. She doesn't say a word. She drops to her knees. She drops both things at the feet of Jesus. And guess what Jesus does? In typical Jesus', uh, Jesus fashion, he tells a story. He tells a parable. And I'll paraphrase it. He says, what if a banker gave someone $500? and someone else $50. All of a sudden, the time came when it was going to be due, but both people could not pay it back. But the banker forgave them their debt. Who would be more thankful? The one that gave 500 or the one that got 50? The one that got 500, right? 
they were forgiven more. They'd be more thankful, right? Because they were being forgiven more. And then Jesus, Jesus would go on to say that because of that, because of, of the amount of the forgiveness that they were given, all of a sudden they start loving differently. They start giving differently because of what they've been given. And that's for us is key. Like if we truly realized how much we're forgiven and how much we've been given, we would live completely different lives. But for some of us here, you don't know how much you've been forgiven. You don't know how much you're loved. You know how much that, that today God would send his son Jesus and Jesus would go to the cross for you again. That's forgiveness. That he would go to the cross, he would die for us on the cross, and at the cross, that's when everything fell on him. All of our sins, all of our garbage, all of our penalties, that's when Jesus took it from us. That's our Savior. And for someone here, that you never accepted that. You never received that. That's the gospel. That God so loved the world that he gave his son, that he would go to the cross and that you would be forgiven. So today, maybe that's you, that's you today. That you're going to say yes to Jesus. That you're no longer going to hold on to your garbage, your crap. You're going to realize that you can be forgiven. You will be forgiven if you would just let go of it and give it to him. And we're so excited. We want to celebrate that with you. But for, for some of us here, maybe you're like me, or maybe you gave your life to Christ years ago. And over time, you forget how much you've been forgiven. That you need to start reminding yourself daily of what he did for you, of how much he loves you, how much he gave for you. That he would give his life for you again today. And once we realize that, all of a sudden we start living differently. All of a sudden our time's not our own. All of a sudden our money's not our own. All of a sudden our possessions are not our own anymore. Because we start realizing we've been given so much, I can do nothing but give out of that. That was my story. If you think of Mike, who got baptized, you know the story. I'm not just saying yes to Jesus, not just getting baptized, but fully giving his life to Christ, giving his time, serving right away. I'm sure a lot of you can relate to that, of jumping right in. Because once you realize that you've been given so much, all of a sudden, it's not easier to give it up. Because once we give up, it's easier to give it away. Once we give up, once we realize it's never ours or never was ours to begin with, it's a lot easier to give it away. And maybe today is someone's day to take a small step, a step, to join a dream team. And on that connect card, just write dream team on it. Get involved. Take a step. Give away your time. And see what God does with it. It's amazing. Like, I don't say this because I'm amazing and I'm great. I mess up so much. But it's amazing how, once you start giving time, how much time you actually have. I'm pretty invested in, in students' lives with mentoring. So I spend at least two hours out of school a week. I'm part of the Big Brother program, so I spend at least two to four hours a month with a student. But like that time, like God has truly multiplied that time and is giving me more time. It's just amazing. Like once God's math is not our math. Test him on that. Try him on that. See what happens. Whether it's money, time, talents, whatever it is, trust him on that. He is giving you a gift not to hold on to, but to give it away. But to truly to give it away.
So join a dream team. Get involved. We need you. And I say we need you because we're on this journey. It's a multiplication journey as a church. Where we're saying, hey, Jesus, we don't know what this means. We don't know what it's going to look like. But in the fall of 2020, coming up here, we're going to start a new church. Right? That's your, that we want to get excited about that. If you, if you want to clap, you can. It's fine. But what we're saying is, Jesus, we give you what we do here in Meadows. We want to take this, this gift you've given us. We want you to bless it. We want you to take it. And we want you to multiply it somewhere else. Not to just start a church, but start many churches. That's what multiplication is. Multiple things happening. Multiple communities being impacted by the kingdom of God. And that's what we want to be a part of. So as, as this church is being planted, it's going to require resources. It's going to require people. And there's some people here that are going to say, yes, I want to give my life to that. I want to be a part of that. I want to use my gifts, my talents, my resources for that. If that's you, write crossover on your card. On January 17th at 7 p.m., the location, you'll get that information here soon. We're going to have a meeting to talk about the vision of that church, to talk about multiplication as a whole as Meadows Church. We want you to be a part of it because this isn't just a, a me and my family thing. This isn't just a Monty thing. This is an us thing because it's a God thing. He's in the business of multiplying things, right? Be fruitful and multiply. He says it over and over. We want to ride that wave. That's what we want to be a part of. So we would love for you to be a part of that. And as people are a part of that, if you're not a part of Crossover, that's okay. But that just means there's more opportunity here to give what you got. There's more opportunity here to give what you got. And we truly believe as we take these steps, as we, as the church, as the body, start giving greater, we're going to see greater. Not just the same works that Jesus did, but greater works. Greater works. And it's just going to be mind-blowing what he's going to do, and we're expecting it, and we believe he's going to do the unexpected, and we're thankful for that. So in saying that, I wish I could tell you what that is. I wish I could tell you what that looks like. That takes the fun out of it. So we're going to go to God right now. I'm going to ask him just to reveal to us right now, like, what is it? Like, if he's not our Savior, what is preventing us from giving it to him? What's preventing us from making him our Savior? But then also, like, what are we holding on that's preventing us to making him our Lord? Like, what is preventing us from saying, hey, Jesus, take my life, my whole life. Help me live for you each and every day. Help me be this holy and living sacrifice because you've given so much to me. You've given so much to us. You deserve nothing but everything we have. And we, I truly believe once we start doing that, once we start giving greater, lives will change, homes will change, neighborhoods will change, communities will change, this nation will change. Think of Acts 2. Think of Acts 2, of how they thanked God for everything they were given, and they so freely gave because they were given so much. Let me pray for us. God, it's so crazy that you expect us to do the same work that, you, that you've done. But not just that, greater work. That you don't want to do something in us, you want to do something through us. That you have given us everything we need to live out the plan and purpose you have for each and every one of us. 
The problem is, do we believe that and do we trust that? Do we trust you? So God, I just pray that today. Reveal to us, speak to us, show us what's holding us back. What's preventing us from giving you everything we have? What's preventing us from surrendering to you? And God, that's a, it's a step that we need to take. But the, the amazing thing is once we take that step, it's amazing the new life you give us. That's what Jesus came to do, to give us new life and life to the full. And if we're not giving, we are not living life to the full. And as, as, we, as we give our life to you, we truly realize that it is truly more blessed to give than to receive. <laughs> it's just amazing how you take what we have and you multiply it. You take what we have and lives can be changed. We would just trust you. And I believe, God, that 2020, we truly are going to see greater things. We're going to be part of greater things. We believe that the best is yet to come. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody says...